we have to remember that there were other times in our life when we had faced difficulty and we cried out to the Lord and the Lord had brought us through. And we have to remember those times, remember those testimonies, and we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And I believe that that's what David did. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. The, um, the title of today's message is Encourage Yourself. Now, I think it's wonderful when we have friends, we have a, a spouse, children, uh, parents, loved ones that are in our life that, that encourage us to be more than what we are, to encourage us in the things of God, to encourage us to hold on to the promises of God. But I can promise you sometimes life will throw you a curveball and there will come times in your life when you, when you literally have to encourage yourself, that you have to be the one that takes that initiative to, to lift yourself up out of despair and depression that the enemy wants to bring you into. And the, um, the message comes from 1 Samuel in chapter 30. And in this particular verse of scripture, I know it's, it's a very familiar scripture, but David and his men had gone out and fought wars. They had went out and fought with the Philistines, and so they were coming back to their city, back to their families. And in verse 1 it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. I couldn't imagine what David and his men had felt. They, they'd went out and were fighting the Philistines. So they come back home to their, their city, and they found that their city had been burned with fire, their homes, and their, their spouses, their wives, their children were all missing. And, and, I, and I couldn't imagine the devastation that they felt, but it said that they wept and they cried so much that, it, that they had no more power to weep. And sometimes life will bring you to that point. I don't know if you've been there, but I know I have. There have been times in my life where I have wept, where it seemed like I don't have any more tears left to cry. The, the, the enemy had brought me to such a low place. And it goes on to say in verse 5, says, And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. So we look at David, and David not just lost his family, and the, and the family of his friends, but he was 
he, he, he had an extra distress going on in his life because now all his comrades, all these soldiers, these people he was in leadership over, now they want to stone him because they blame David for the loss of their families. I don't know what they were thinking, but maybe they thought, well, maybe if David had not taken them out to battle, or maybe if David had left more soldiers there to protect their families. But for whatever reason, they were blaming David because this had happened to their family. And they were thinking about stoning him. They were so angry and they were so hurt with what had happened to him. But then it goes on to say, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So David has not just lost his family, the families of his loved ones. Now they're talking about killing him. So we know that David was in a really low place and there was no one around to give him any kind of encouragement. And so David had to encourage, he had to strengthen himself in the Lord his God. Now, I don't know exactly what David did, what he thought, but I have to believe that David had to go back in the past and remember some, some times that he had gone through that were difficult times in his life. This was not David's first battle. I'm sure that David had to go back and he had to remember when he was living at home with his, his mom and dad and his family and he kept sheep. And, and the scripture says that a bear and a lion had come out to destroy those sheep and, and, and the spirit of God had overtaken David and he was able to kill that bear. He is able to kill that lion and save the sheep from this destruction. And then as, as you also remember, the, the giant Goliath had come against the armies of the Lord. And David went out against the giant with just a sling and a rock. And he killed this giant. So David had to remember times in his life where he faced difficulties, where he faced adversities. And the hand of the Lord was with him to bring him out and to bring him through those difficulties. And so it says he encouraged himself. We have to remember and we have to be thankful of what God has brought us through. We have to remember that there were other times in our life when we had faced difficulty and we cried out to the Lord and the Lord had brought us through. And we have to remember those times, remember those testimonies, and we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And I believe that that's what David did. It said David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That was his first step in coming up out of this depression and this state of despair that he was in. And verse 7 says, Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, bring, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So the second thing that he did is that he inquired of the Lord. I think too many times it's easy to focus on the problem, and it's so easy to focus on what's at hand, what's right before your eyes. It's easy to focus on, on what you're facing 
But it's so important that we encourage ourselves in the Lord, that we encourage ourselves with the testimonies of what God has already brought us through, and to inquire of the Lord. Amen. Don't wait till he's the last person you call on. Let God be the first person that you call on in the times of difficulty. So in verse 9, it says, So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake and figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. I want to stop here just a moment. This person, this Egyptian that they found in the field was their enemy. And I don't know, but I have to think the temptation would have been there to kill this Egyptian who was partially responsible for the loss of their homes and their family. But the Bible said that they took this Egyptian and they gave him food and water. Jesus teaches us to, that to love our enemies, to do good to those who have despitefully used us. And I believe that this is what David had done. He did good to this Egyptian, whereas he, he could have done evil. He could have just said, well, here's one of them. Let's just kill him. Let's just get rid of him, and we'll go on till we get to the next person. But he showed good to this person and fed him and gave him something to drink. And verse 13 says, then David said to him, to whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of Amalek. And my master left me, left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory <clears throat> which belonged to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag to the ground with fire. <clears throat> so he's telling David that, uh, you know, I'm one of those that helped burn down the city where your families were at. So there again, you know, David had the opportunity. Well, let's just get rid of this person. But it says, and David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, they were there, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spool which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for the 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. So we learn from the scripture that, that David, he had to encourage himself, and he had to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord spoke him. He said, 
spoke to him and said, hey, you need to pursue and you will recover all. And God fulfilled that for David. God allowed them for, to, to recover all that the enemy had taken. Now, there were some material things I'm sure that was lost when the fire burned. But how many knows that the, the things that are important are the lives, the, those wives, those families, and those children that the enemy had taken. They recovered them all. When I read this, I'm also reminded of the scripture over in Psalms 42 that, that David had wrote. And I love to read the Psalms. And, and David, he, um, he's just a real person. When you're reading the scripture, sometimes you, you read, read and, and David's crying out and says, Oh, God, please help me. He is just in the, the pit of despair. And then the next time you read something, he's like, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless the name of the Lord. And we know that David, Scripture teaches us, was a man after God's own heart. And what we learn from this is that David was real, and he told God like it was. Sometimes it might not sound pretty, but we need to tell God just like it is. God knows your heart. He knows what you think before you think it, before it comes out of your mouth. He knows what you're thinking, and God wants us to talk to him just like you would your best friend. He wants you to tell wants you to tell him just like it is the good, the bad, and the indifferent. And because God listens to your heart, He doesn't listen to us just because we can make some nice, pretty words. But be, but He listens to the heart, and that's what God wants to hear. So in Psalms forty two. In verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And when shall I come and, be, and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. And they say continually to me, where is your God? So we learned from this scripture that this is also a time, and this may be in, in, in reference to the same scripture. I don't know that, but it could be. It, but but it, it's a time in David's life where tears has been his food day and night. He was discouraged. He was despondent. He is crying. And the enemy is coming to him continually saying, where is your God? Where is your God? You was on the mountaintop. You was enjoying the presence of the Lord. Now you're facing this difficulty. Now you're facing this battle. Now you're facing this trial and this test. Where is your God? And we know that that's something that the enemy does to us today. Amen. When, when things aren't going right, the enemy wants to say, well, where is this wonderful God that you are serving? Hallelujah. And verse 4, but when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. He says, when, you know, when the enemy's coming against me, he says, I remember a time that I used to go with the multitude to the house of God. So it kind of sounds like David had gotten away from the Lord, that he had gotten away from his praise and worship, and that he had gotten away from the house of God. I know there's one place in the Psalms where David said, Lord, one day in your presence, one day in your house is greater than a thousand days in this world. There is, there's nothing more awesome than the presence of God. So when he's, he's, when he 
telling us about this situation. He's remembering going to the house of God. He's remembering enjoying the presence of God with a voice of joy and praise where they kept a, a, an awesome feast. He's remembering these things and he's pouring out his soul before God. And I believe verse five is key. He goes on to say, why are you cast down Oh, my soul. And why are you disquieted within me? So we learn from this. He's talking to himself. He said, hey, self, why are you downcast? And why are you disquieted? Why are you discouraged? Why are you disgruntled? He goes on. He says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In other words, he's saying, I know I'm going through a difficulty right now. I know I'm going through some sadness right now. I know that I'm going through the attack of the enemy right now. But so let me tell you something. Why? are you downcast and why are you disquieted hope in God for this is only going to last for a season I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance he was prophesying to himself and he was telling himself hope in God because this is coming to pass and I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance Verse 6 says, this is, oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill of Mazar. Deep calls into the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his songs shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? I don't know what you're going through, but that might be the voice of the enemy that you're hearing today. He's saying, where is your God? We need to understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That person that's persecuting you, that enemy, that child that's gone astray, that is not your enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of spiritual darkness. We, we wrestle against those things. We wrestle against Satan, the one that is influencing these people. These people are not our enemies. That's why Jesus tells us, you know, to love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you because they're not your enemy. The, 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 the spirit of Satan that is influencing them is your enemy. And so he, he concludes in verse 11, and he says once again, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So he's continually prophesying to himself, I'm going through some difficulty, but I'm telling myself, hope in God, for there will come a time 
I shall yet praise him and give him honor and give him glory. And I will conclude with this. Psalms 35 says for his anger is but for a moment. There are times when God sends us through times of correction. His anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life, is for eternity. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So I want to encourage you today. You may go, be going through some difficulty. You may be going through a nighttime season, but be encouraged because your joy is on the way. It may be Friday night, but Sunday's coming. There will be a resurrection and there will be joy coming into your life. Amen and God bless you.